thing. The racists are opposed to it. And I don't know what's going to happen to it. But I know this. We've got to stay in the street. And we've got to, we've got to demand justice. As a black man, despite all of the efforts, I feel like nothing changes. And George Floyd is waking so many people up. Yet nothing has happened, you know, despite the rhetoric. Like, what, what needs to happen that's different this year well, than all the years we're before? We're looking for a guilty verdict. We're looking for a guilty verdict, and we're looking to see if all of the talk that took place and has been taking place after they saw what happened to George Floyd, if nothing does not happen, then we know of that. What should protesters do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street, uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they they know that we need business. What do you think about this curfew tonight? Welcome back, Little Joe's Conservative Corner. That was Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters, the current chair of the Financial Service Committee for the House. Uh, Maxine Waters is a miserable 83-year-old who has had 15 terms in the House. You want to talk about needing term limits? This is exactly why Washington is a swamp. It's exactly the problem that they have up there. These people get a little taste of power, and instead of having only a set amount of times you can be elected into something, they can go on indefinitely. And as long as they want to stay in power, they're going to be there. At 83 years old... She should not only not be in the house, she should have been long retired. She should be sitting at home, watching everything on TVs, maybe doing little interviews here and there if she's that influential of a person, and that's that. But instead, she's still in Washington, still calling for violence. And Maxine Water is no stranger to calling for violence. It seems to be her M.O., the first time she gained a lot of notoriety in 1992 with the Rodney King verdict, where she started the chant, no justice, no peace at a rally. She also said at the time, if you call it a riot, it sounds like it was just a bunch of crazy people who went out and did some bad things for no reason. I maintain it was somewhat understandable, if not acceptable. So she really has no problem with calling for violence. And she's got a shaky past at best anyways. She's been under a lot of investigations. Um, During one of her campaigns back in 2004, the Los Angeles Times reported Maxine's relatives made more than a million dollars during the preceding eight years by doing business with companies, candidates, and causes that Waters had helped. So once again, using her political power to enrich herself. She's also buddy old pals with Louis Farrakhan, a known anti-Semite and the leader of the Nation of Islam, which hates Jews. Again... Not a big surprise. When you're a nasty person like that, that doesn't surprise me at all. It shouldn't surprise anybody that you would call for any type of violence. I mean, look what the Nation of Islam just did at the Capitol. Guy ran a car into one of the Capitol police officers, killing him. Again, from the left, they buried it. They didn't really care. She has also been quoted praising Fidel Castro. 
She visited Cuba a number of times, praising Fidel Castro's moves towards democracy. She also criticized previous U.S. efforts to overthrow him and demanded to end the U.S. trade embargo. Lovely person. You know how growing up, your parents would say to you, you know, be careful the company that you keep because if you're hanging out with people who are thugs or people that are doing bad things, that automatically you're going to be associated with them. Well, when you got friends like Farrakhan and you're praising people like Castro, who are Farrakhan being an anti-Semite and Castro just being the devil, it says a lot about you. It speaks volumes about your character that you see positivity in those types of people and situations. One of the biggest problems is that somebody like Maxine, indirectly with her calls for violence, things do happen. People are listening. There are crazy people in the world that hear stuff like that and act on it. For example, the Blaze reported the Minnesota National Guards were injured in a drive-by shooting. Uh, A neighborhood security team comprised of Minnesota National Guardsmen and Minneapolis Police Department officers were reportedly fired on around 4.19 a.m. on Sunday near Penn Avenue and Broadway Avenue in Minneapolis. A light-colored SUV fired several shots at a security team involved with Operation Safety Net. A joint effort among Minneapolis Police Department, the Hennepin County Sheriff's Office, and the state of Minnesota and local jurisdictions to ensure that the safety of the public during the trial of Derek Chauvin committed to protecting the people, property, and freedom of speech. Two Minnesota National Guard members sustained minor injuries from the attack, One guardsman sustained an injury from shattered glass requiring additional care and was taken to a local hospital to receive treatment. From Brett Bart News, dash cam video from a Carroll County, Georgia law enforcement officer's vehicle shows 28-year-old Pierre Shelton opening fire on them with an AK-47 after a high-speed chase. Scary video. If you haven't seen it, watch it. They pull up on them. It's nighttime. It's dark. Uh, Shelton had absolutely no issues with pointing a gun at the cop and he just started unloading a weapon. Also from Brett Bart News, a driver threw a Molotov cocktail at a New York City police officer Saturday morning and splashed all over another officer in his face with a liquid chemical during a separate incident. In that video, the cop has pulled the gentleman over. When he goes up to the window to question him, he's talking to the guy, he asks him for his license and registration. He says he has neither. Uh, the cop asked him to roll down the window on the other side so he could see better. The guy starts to open the door and the cop said, why you open the door? He just says he wants to open the door. He told him that's fine. As he opens the door, you see him grab something and throw it at the cop. You see liquid splash everywhere. Hard to tell what it is. He takes off. Obviously we find out it was a chemical cocktail that got all over the cop. Suspect takes off, hits a parked car and he gets caught one way or the other. But Maxine Water, these are the type of incidents that rhetoric like that inspires. She should be impeached, not only just because she's inciting violence like she likes to do. She called, if you remember, for Trump. She said they're going to stay in the streets. They're not going to rest. If you see people there, you get up in their face. This is not how politicians are supposed to behave. She is a mean, nasty old witch, and she should certainly be impeached. There should be no excuse from the left on why she's kept in place. The people of California deserve better because she is terrible at her job. And we, the people in general, deserve better politicians than ones that seek to destroy the country by inciting violence through false narratives.
Marjorie Taylor Greene is putting together a bill to expel Maxine Waters from her duties in the House and get rid of her. I hope it goes through. More than likely with the Democrats, nothing will happen to her. This will pass on by just like everything else because you know it's not a level playing field. But she should be expelled from Congress and send her home. She's 83 years old. Go home. How much time do you even have left on this earth? Why don't you spend some time at home messing up your family instead of messing up the United States? On some positive news, or maybe not so positive, who knows, but uh, COVID vaccines. The CDC has reported more than 50% of adults in the U.S. have received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, The article I'm reading is from Just the News. The CDC reports that 50.4% of the U.S. population ages 18 and older have received at least one vaccine dose, while 32.5% of adults in the United States have been fully vaccinated, which is going to give a lot of relief because the majority of people that have been fully vaccinated up to this point are the elderly who are impacted the most, so that should make you feel as if you're getting back to some type of normalcy. Hopefully it will. I guess that depends on what state you live in. Because I saw a couple articles, and I don't have anybody to cite, but I saw a couple articles where Oregon, the governor, is trying to make their uh, restrictions permanent as well as Michigan. So I guess if you live in those two states, even after you've had your vaccine or uh, anything, you're going to still live under the same you know rules. Restricted amount of people in places, masks, um, you know, social distancing, which is... I was talking to my son the other day, and he's young. He's only 13, and I was explaining to him the whole social distance thing is like an oxymoron. How can you be social and be distant at the same time? It logically it doesn't even make sense. It just that's how stupid the theory is. I'm, we're going to be socially distant. I'm going to yell at you from across the yard, and we're going to stay away from each other from this dangerous virus. And but we're we're being social. We're just screaming at each other like lunatics from across the yard. So that's yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Dr. Fauci and Jim Jordan got into a extremely heated debate on the House floor. Uh, Jim Jordan, I don't, I'm not going to play the clip. The clip's like over six minutes long, but Jim Jordan was asking him for some actual numbers uh, when we can get our liberties back. Fauci contested that, say he doesn't see it. It's about liberties. He's trying to appeal to your heart, and he says for him it's about people getting sick and dying. And Jim Jordan says, well, people are dying in other ways. You know, people are committing suicide. They're losing their businesses. They can't worship. Kids aren't going to school. So he wanted a direct number from him. What percentage do we need to be at for him to say it's okay for us to go back to some type of normalcy? Well, no matter what happened in that six-minute argument, Fauci would not give him a direct answer. It was just round and round we go and... Maxine actually happened to be in that clip as well where she's trying to tell him to shut up. She, it's her turn and just being nasty. Just a, just a nasty 83-year-old. Anyways, um, but I do have a clip in the aftermath going to the place where he is just fond over. They love him. He is the best thing since sliced bread. He ended up talking with CNN because their ratings are so good these days. And he gave CNN this explanation. You were quite restrained when you were uh, testifying under oath in Congress. You're on cable TV now. You want to say anything more about what you really thought? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't enjoy those kind of confrontations. But I mean, the, the, it was very, very clear 
You know, he was talking about liberties that were being restricted. This has nothing to do with liberties, Dana. We're talking about the fact that 560,000 people in our country have died. We're talking about 70,000, 60 to 70,000 new infections per day. That's the issue. This is a public health issue. It's not a civil liberties issue. I actually think it is. When people are losing their businesses, when people are losing their jobs, people are having mental problems from being trapped, when you're restricting when you can worship, when you can go outside, they're making you put things on your face that you do not want to wear. They're doing their best to force you to get a vaccine even if you don't want it. I'd say our liberties are very much at stake. You know, freedom of speech. If you question him or you question a masks or anything, oh my God, you're the devil. <laughs> so you're not allowed to question any of that. Anybody listens to this podcast, I must be Satan because, oh my God, I question all of it. I don't believe any of it. With all the flip-flopping that that guy's done, wear masks, don't wear masks, vaccine, 60%, 70%, 80% herd immunity. Well, I don't, I didn't really want to tell people we got to get to that 90% threshold. There's a never-ending goalpost that never stops moving. And with these people, we're never going to get there. And so it is about liberties. It's about governors are drunk on power and they feel that they have the right to strip you of your freedoms and you should be grateful for it. You should be happy that we're telling you to stay in your homes. You should be happy that we're telling you you can't praise the Lord. You should be happy that we're telling you to shut your doors and you're only allowed to have 25% capacity in there. And if you go underwater, that's your problem, not ours, because it's for the greater good from something that only has killed 567,000 Americans in a year. That's a huge number. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, how many people died of cancer last year? How many people died of heart attacks? How many people died of car accidents? You know, cancer and heart attacks are still the leading causes of death in the United States currently. So that beat out coronavirus one way or the other. But then you have car accidents, you have suicides, you have everything else. So the number is just a scare tactic. We're going to throw a big number at you for people that do not pay attention. They do not know the statistics, and that's scary to them. If you think about how many people are in the United States, we're close to 300 million, a little more, give or take. 500,000, a little over 500,000 is a tiny, tiny percent. And the CDC has even made statements alluding that the death rate is much lower from people that it wasn't just COVID that killed them. They had multiple other problems on top of COVID, which is what actually took them out. But 100% healthy adults was only 10% of the number. So you can knock 560,000 down to 56,000, and then it becomes almost as much as your common flu on a bad year. And then we have the ongoing border crisis, which never seems to really go away. However, the Biden administration is trying to reimpose some Trump era rules because the border is in such great shape. All this time, they have neglect to call it a crisis. Well, funny thing about that. When you let little dementia Joe out, and his handlers aren't pinching him and telling him when and when not to say things, he tends to mess up. And he did mess up because he finally admitted it was a crisis. Anything on the refugee camps? Kevin. 
If you caught it, because the recording's not real great, it's real noisy there, he actually finally called the border a crisis. Gee, you think? It's, it's only been a disaster on the border. You got kids sleeping on top of kids. You got facilities overfilled. It's just been a great time down there with Biden. He's, he's doing such a wonderful job that most of America hates what he's doing. Kaylee McKinney on Fox had a pretty good segment on that. I'm going to play that for you right now. Welcome back. Tonight, the Biden administration came into the fears of the left on the nation migrant asylum crisis. President Biden chose to keep 15,000 person cap on refugees entering the U.S. But that wasn't good enough for AOC, who tweeted, uh, quote, utterly unacceptable, holding the xenophobic and racist policies of the Trump administration. But after that, the administration changed course, releasing a statement tonight reading, we expect the president to set a final increased refugee cap for the remainder of the fiscal year by May 15th. Here now, Kaylee McEnany, former White House press, press secretary and a Fox News analyst. Kaylee, um, is this how we're going to run the country now? Every time AOC decides to throw a temper, a temper tantrum and go on Twitter, then we're just going to cave our foreign policy to that, right? Lawrence, that's exactly what we're seeing here with this. Uh, this is a government run by progressives. I, I said in the campaign, look, if Biden prevails, he is an empty vessel who will be totally driven by the radical left progressive wing of the party. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And also worth mentioning here is just the totally muddled message from the White House. Literally last week, Jen Psaki tells us that he's going to raise the cap. Uh, then this week, today, he comes out and says the low cap remains justified by humanitarian concerns. Then we get an AOC tweet and voila, here we are uh, raising the cap once more. It's amazing. It's not a way to govern. Also a lesson in, in very poor messaging. Yeah, so we've got the AOC and the radical progressive, but I think it goes to the root cause of this, that they keep changing the policy when it comes to uh, refugees and they want to have uh, legal immigration reform done, but they don't want to get control of the border first. Aren't they making the same mistake over and over again? Yes, I, I think it's a great point. You know, of course, we remember from the White House podium when we were told all children are going to be accepted into the interior of the country, and there we go. All of a sudden, you have an influx of unaccompanied minors to the border. Now, what message does this send? All children are welcome. We will raise our, our asylum, our refugee cap, uh, and we will welcome that as well. It's sending a message, set it, setting a magnet. A, they call it a pull factor uh, to bring these illegal immigrants in. Um, in this case, they would be legal immigrants, but just raising this number is another way that they're putting fuel on the fire. And one more point, just uh, in this two-question press conference, what a joke, his second press conference, the two-question press conference, uh, not a single reporter thought to ask about this refugee cap situation. I got to get your comment on, on this. Uh, there was a lot of talk about bounties put on uh, U.S. soldiers. soldiers. Uh, you addressed this back in the day at the White House. I want to play this and then get your reaction on it. The front page of the New York Times is not the venue for discussing classified information. This is a piece of intelligence information that had no consensus, has not been verified, still to this day has not been verified. Now, they, they changed course today. They said some of the intelligence was wrong. I'm just going to call it a flat-out lie. 
It, it was a flat-out lie by the New York Times, uh, by CNN, by MSNBC, by the Washington Post, who had the audacity to call Trump a liar over it when, in fact, they were the ones corroborating a report and lying. And for a month, more than that even, I fielded questions about this from the podium, having to talk about raw intelligence from the White House podium, see it on the cover of the New York Times. It is an absolute travesty. And still, they're not coming out and apologizing. They owe President Trump and the entire administration at least that. Yeah. I won't hold my breath for an apology because they never yes. do. They just continue to lie. And we continue to allow them to get away with it. It's, it's, it's sad. Thank you, Kaylee. So typical of Joe Biden, who's just an empty suit. He does whatever they tell him to do. He is not in control of the United States. We all knew that. None of that's a real big surprise. And this next one shouldn't be a surprise to you either. Uh, former President George W. Bush, ahead of his forthcoming book, Bush publishes an op-ed in the Washington Post that explains the principles of reform he believes are necessary to restore people's confidence in an immigration system that serves both our values and our interests. That reform process, Bush said, should include a solution for millions of undocumented men and women currently living in the United States. Outright amnesty, he said, would be fundamentally unfair to those who came legally or are still waiting their turn to become citizens. According to Bush, however, the former president said the U.S. should employ a gradual process that results in legal status and citizenship. He further went on to say Americans who favor a path to citizenship for those brought here as children, known as dreamers, are not advocating open borders. Bush wrote, they just recognize that young men and women who grew up in the United States and who never knew any other place's home are fundamentally American and they ought not be punished for the choices made by their parents. He also said about asylum seekers, we also need a modernized asylum system that provides humanitarian support and the appropriate legal channels for refugees to pursue their cases in a timely manner. The rules for the asylum should be reformed by Congress to guard against undetermined entry and reserve that vital status for the intended recipients. So, of course, George Bush is coming out advocating for citizenships for illegals and legals, uh, as well as dreamers. I've never cared for George Bush personally. Uh, I think he's gutless and he has no backbone. And of course, he's leaning to the left. That again is not a big surprise. He spoke out against Trump during the election. He's been hanging out with uh, Obama and Clinton lately. So big surprise there. The one thing I will tell you is that before you give anybody citizenship, they need to get that border locked down and taken care of. Otherwise, this is going to be a mess for years to come. Not, we're not going to clean this up in months. This is going to be a legal battle and a nightmare for the United States for years to come. That'll wrap it up for me today. Hope you like what you're hearing. If you do, please tell some people about me. Remember, I will be launching my video part of the podcast on my 100th episode, which should be coming up in June. Besides that, if you'd like to follow me, my preferred social media is Parlor at Joe Little. You can also follow me at Twitter at L-J-C-O-N-S-E-R-C-R-N. If you'd like to contact me, L-J-C-O-N-S-E-R-C-R-N at gmail.com. Have a great Tuesday.